So, so today we're continuing this series, Circles, Choose Wisely. You know, and, and last week we looked at Jesus as he chose his three people in his inner circle, you know, Peter, James, and John. So we saw how Jesus first invited him, them into his life. And, and we know that these three were part of Jesus' inner circle because if you remember, they saw things that the other disciples never saw. They, they truly saw things. They saw miracles that the other disciples never saw. They got to see Jesus in all of his glory on the Mount of Transfiguration. You know, no other disciple got to see that. The multitudes, the 70, no one else got to see that except these three. So they were part of Jesus' inner circles. And, and, and today we're going to take a look at your circles and, and take a look at the circles that are inside your life and but before we get to doing that, I got to ask a question. You see, last week when I was writing a message and during the week talking to different people, one of the things I figured out when, when I was using the Venn diagram, and if you're sitting there going, what's the pastor talking about a Venn diagram because you weren't here last week? I want to encourage you to go to our website and watch last week's sermon, and you'll understand what I'm talking about with the Venn diagram. But I know when... When I started putting people's names into the diagram, and then I got to thinking, okay, let's match the commonalities that they have. And as I was doing all this, I started to realize that some of the commonalities I had with people had nothing to do with Jesus. And now some of these people I've known for a long time, and I mean a really long time. And then I started looking, I started thinking, well, wait a minute. Do I even know if they know Jesus? Have I talked to them about Jesus or have we even ever talked about it ourselves? And it really struck me that here are people that I thought I knew that I had all this in common with that, you know, and they don't know Jesus. And I don't actually know that much about them besides the commonality that maybe we worked together for 18 years or that maybe we fished together or hunted together all these different things. And I was kind of like taken aback when I started doing that. And I said, you know, I can't be the only one. I can't be the only one who has that. You know, what, what about you? And hopefully you understand that the Sunday service isn't just about being here for an hour and 15 minutes, that you actually went home and you got to thinking about, man, let me look at my friends. And then you start doing the same thing, started figuring out, you know, hey, what circle do they belong in and what commonalities? And, and then where's your innermost circle? And y'all did that, right? Because you know it goes beyond Sunday, right? It's about applying this into your life and making changes and moving forward. You know, it's one thing just come and hang out for an hour and 15 minutes, but what do you do with it beyond Sunday? And, and that's what we're supposed to do is go beyond Sunday. And hopefully you've done that. And if not, you're kind of like, man, I need to go back and listen. Go back and listen to last week's message. Because understand that, yes, we're going to have friends and we're going to have friends who have different commonalities. It could be through work. It could be through school. It could be through the neighborhood. It could be through politics. It could be through anything at all. But the biggest commonality of anyone who's really close to us should be Jesus. It should be them knowing Jesus, us knowing Jesus, and us building that relationship back and forth and strengthening our relationship, not only with each other, but with Jesus. 
And, and that's one of the things I tell people, you know, even if they joined us for church online, and real quick, let's give it up for those on church online. You know, and, and even though they're not here in the room with us, they're still part of the church, they're still part of the body of Christ. And, and as I always say, if someone's joined us for church online, don't let just watch it online disconnect you from being connected to a local body of Christ. Because this is where we work on our relationship with Jesus and with others, just like in life. We need to work on those relationships with other people and hopefully have that commonality of Jesus in the middle of it. Understand that that is one of the biggest um, things as Christ followers we should do. Because if someone doesn't know Jesus, we should be telling them about Jesus. So it should be something common. And now if you start doing all that and you start looking and you find out, hey, man, I got this friend I've known for 20 years and they don't know Jesus, start praying for them. Start praying for that friend that someday they'll come to know Jesus, but then also start praying, hey, God, will you give me a chance to let them know about my Jesus? Open up that ability for me to be able to talk with them. And even if I failed in life and, you know, they've known me for 20 years, so they know me back before I knew you. Well, maybe they, you know, hey, Lord, they've seen me not be Christian-like because we've all been in that boat. But pray that God will open up that door for you because we have to remember that as we look at our circles, that our circle of friends is highly influential. Our circle of friends is highly influential into our life. They can influence us into doing some crazy things. But the second thing we need to do is we need to look at and understand that we can only maintain a certain number of friends. Um, so we must ensure that, you know, the more are Christ-like influences. But we still need to have some who we are influencing. We need to have people in our lives that we are influencing in a positive way. So, yes, we do have friends who are Jesus followers. But that doesn't mean we can't have friends who don't know Jesus. It's perfectly fine because if you don't know someone who don't know Jesus, how can you tell someone about Jesus? And see, a lot of times we get stuck in that Christian bubble where all of our friends are just Christians and we don't associate with the outside world. Well, then how are you going to do what God called you to do to make disciples of all nations? How are you going to do what he called you to do and talk to people about him and get people to come to his saving knowledge? So we do have to have some people in our life that we are influencing that maybe aren't Christ followers or maybe are baby Christians that we're helping to build up along the way. So with that being said, today we're going to be in Mark chapter 12. We're going to be in just three verses, 29, 30, and 31. So if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to open them up. Mark chapter 12, verses 29 through 31. If you don't have a Bible with you, there is one in the back of the pew, and as always, it will be on the screen. If you join us for church online, it'll be on the screen there also. So Mark 12, verses 29 through 31. Jesus answered, the most important is, listen, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other command greater than these. So, Heavenly Father, as we dig into these commands, the, the two greatest commands, Lord, I ask that you open up our hearts, open up our eyes, open up our minds, Lord, 
that we will be able to see, hear, and know your voice. And Lord, may your name be glorified through it all. And we make this prayer in Jesus' name, amen. So, so as we begin today, we're actually going to look at two different sets of circles. One set's inside the other set. Um, but the first circle is kind of like our life circle, what our life circle should actually look like. And, and then we'll dig into the other part of it with our circle of friends as we get going into it. But ultimately, our life circle should look something like this. Maybe. <laughs> So our life circle should look something like this. So if you look at the very middle of it, it's, it's love the Lord, then love your spouse, love your children, uh, love through faith, and then witnessing. So you basically got it. It's, it's loving the Lord, it's loving your spouse, and it's your family, then it's your friends, and then you get into everyone else in the world. So, so that's what it should look like. You notice I said Should. Because a lot of us may not have it look exactly like that, but that's how our life circle should, should look. And before we get more into that, I want to get back to the scripture real quick. Uh, in this discourse, as, as Jesus is, is talking to the scribe, so he's talking to the scribe, and, and Jesus basically simplifies the commandments. He simplifies all the commandments to come down to nice and simple Love your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor. So it comes down to love. It comes down to loving basically everybody. And, and I think sometimes we often struggle with who's our neighbor. Understand your neighbor is anyone you want run into. Anyone you come in contact with. Anyone who, whether it's your actual next-door neighbor or someone at work or someone at Publix or Aldi's or wherever, anyone you run into that you don't know is your neighbor. So we're called to do what? Love them. Man, that sounds hard, don't it? Like, man, pastor, you don't know my neighbors. <laughs> oh, yeah, I do know your neighbors because I may be one of them. <laughs> I know my neighbors it's not always easy to love them, but I still got to do it because that's what God's word tells us to do. I'm not always happy with everyone I run into, but I'm called to love them. And, and, and you know, Jesus basically tells us this is what we're supposed to do. And I think it's interesting, even in Luke chapter 14, verse 26, Jesus gives us this clear importance as it pertains to this whole life circle of thing, and he says this, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. All right, now I want to let the, the youth in the house know, this don't mean hate your parents. That's not what he's saying here. <laughs> what he's talking about is a place in a relationship and where our relationship should be. Because you look at it, it's, you look in other parts of scripture and he talks about how much you should love your brothers and sisters and mothers and fathers, okay? So this isn't about you should hate them, hate them as in I hate you. This is more of a pecking order kind of thing. This is more of a place in things in a precedence in your life. So the first thing we know is God should be the center of our circle. 
So, so if we put that circle back up there, we, we can see that the first circle above everything else should be the Lord. The first person we think about in the morning, the last person we think about before we go to bed. You know, we're, we're placed in this relationship with God before others, even with our own family, even with our spouses. God should be the first one on your list. He should be the first one on your list no matter what he, he does. And understand, that's all this is. Um, it's a ranking order, what Jesus is talking about. And you think God and Jesus expect our loyalty? Do they expect us to follow them? Do they expect us to do what their word calls? Of course they do. Are we going to fail? Yes. Do they know we're going to fail? Yes. But we should still have them at the center. And as you look at the next part, now some of you may not be married, but it's, you know, love your spouse. You know, I truly believe that, you know, as it says in God's word, we weren't meant to be alone. We were meant to be in a relationship. And when God saw Adam alone, he said it was not good for man to be alone. So what he do, he, he created a suitable helper to be with him. You see, and I think Eve was a perfect fit for Adam. And I think in our life, we get that perfect fit with our spouse. Now, for some cases, it may not have been a perfect fit the first time, or maybe the second time, or the third time. You know, they say third time's a charm. Yeah. And some people, you may still be looking for your spouse. But understand, I think the perfect fit is the one you find and the one that you can be with when your eyes are closed. And let me explain that. When your eyes are closed, you don't see the outside of the person because beauty fades. And if you're so caught up on the way someone looks, is it really going to be that perfect fit? Because trust me, I don't have my 20-year-old body anymore. Beauty, beauty fades, and mine is fading fast, <laughs> okay? <laughs> some, uh, some people have good genes, and they, they, they keep that beauty for a long time. Others of us, we lose it. So I truly believe that a perfect fit comes when your eyes are closed because you know the inside of person. You're not looking at the outside. You're looking at the person's heart. And I believe that's what we should look at as we're looking at our spouse and, and that love that we have. It's not what we physically see. It's what we physically feel and that love that's inside of us. The next circle we have is, is our family. You know, remember, we're born into a family. You don't get to choose your family. God chose your family for you. And whether you believe it or not, you are in the family where God wants you to be. You do have a purpose there. You may not always think you had a purpose in your family, but you do have a purpose inside your family. You were not there by accident, and you were there so you can glorify God. Now, in some cases, maybe saying, well, pastor, man, my family's jacked up. Okay, so is the church family. So guess what? Your family's just as messed up as a church family. Look to your left or right. We're all messed up right there with you. You're, you're in the family you're in. God chose that family for you. He chose it for you because he's got a purpose for it. And understand that you can bring value to your family. Every one of us can bring some type of value to our family. If we approach that family with that open heart, 
with God at the center of our life, we can add value to any family that we come into. The next thing, of course, is our friends. We look up there, and this refers to our friends of faith. Um, so that fourth circle belongs to our faith relationships. And Galatians 6.10 says, Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us work for the good of all, especially for those who belong to the household of faith. You see, the body of Christ, the family of believers, is important to God, right? We're his chosen. We're his daughters. We're his sons. We're the daughters and sons of a king. Our relationship with each other inside the family of faith is that is so important. And ultimately, unfortunately, there are people with inside the faith that some of us say, man, I can get along with a non-believer better than I can get along with that person. They're supposed to be my brother and sister in Christ. Because we don't act like brothers and sisters in Christ. We don't act like we've accepted Jesus and we don't show love for each other. I bet every one of us in this room know a Christian that all they ever do is complain. Some of y'all may be in the room. All you ever do is complain about something. I can't believe this. I can't believe that. Always got some, oh, can you believe what this person's doing? I can't believe what they're wearing to church. We always got something. Even I even got people pointing at people in church. And honestly, if, if you say you can get along better with a non-believer than a believer, start looking inside first. Start looking inside first and ask yourself, have I done, have I been a true follower of Christ to that person? Or is it possible that I was one of those grumpy Christians? Is it one of those who I didn't have affect change, and even though I accepted Jesus, I'm still living the standard of the world instead of the standard that God calls me to live. Because we should never be able to get better along better with a non-believer than with another believer. Why? Because we got Jesus in common. And if we're all doing what his word calls us to do, guess what? We're all focused on the same thing, going in the same direction. But when we stop focusing on Jesus and his word and we start focusing on the color of carpet or something else, it's a bad place to focus. It's about Jesus and his word. That's it. Everything else is non-essential. It doesn't matter. So, so we as believers need to stick together. We need to love each other. And we need to have that family of faith and, and that opportunity to be with each other and to spend that time with each other as a family. And of course, the last one, loving your neighbor. Remember, you know, God chose your family, but you get to choose your family or friends. Think about that. You get to choose your family or friends. Choose wisely. We kind of talked a little bit last week about that. Each one of us could have a friend who's like a Judas. Then again, you could be the Judas in the friendship relationship. You know, so you need to really choose your friends wisely. You do get to choose them and they get to be your friends. And, and I think uh, as we have healthy friendships, they're not like these, you know, oh, the, he, Mike's my friend. You can't have Mike as a friend. Because there are some people who get friendships like that. They think it becomes this click. Oh, it's, you know, us four no more. We're not allowed to have any more friends. 
we should get excited when one of our friends gets a new friend. And you want to know why? Because honestly, that means you're going to probably end up with a new friend too. Because if you're that close with a friend and they bring someone else into that group, you probably got some commonalities with them. So at the same time, we should rejoice in our friendships as our friendships continue to grow. Because as our friendships grow with one another and other people coming in, it makes it even that much better when we start to grow that much more. It's not about being exclusive. It's not about getting jealous. It's about adding people to your friendships and bringing them in. Verse 31 said, the second is love your neighbors as yourself. There's no other command greater than these. And this is the next circle I want to dig into. That, that circle of friends, that circle of, of what we call friends. And Robin Dunbar, who's a, a psychologist, discovered that the average number of meaningful and stable relationships that you can have at any one time, and this includes family and extended friends, is 150 people. You cannot go past 150. And this is kind of what the Dunbar number looks like. So and this is actually called Dunbar's number theory. And it actually is a concentric circle. So it is circles within inside a circle. It's just I laid it out like this to make it a little easier to understand. But, but as we look at it, they got that inner circle. And here, Dunbar's number says you can have five. Now understand, to, to have a close relationship with somebody, it takes about 200 hours over the course of a few months to make, take someone who is a stranger into a good friend. 200 hours in a few months to take someone who is a total stranger into a friend. That means friendship takes a lot of work, right? It's expensive. Having friends are expensive. It may not be financially expensive, but it becomes expensive because of the time and effort you got to put into it. And each one of us, if we have true friends, we've easily put in that 200 hours and didn't even think twice about it because it just becomes easy because you're hanging out, you're having fun together, you're doing things together. But it basically says you can have five close friends, then you can have 15 so a little closer friends then the number keeps getting bigger and bigger, and the final number is 150. That after 150, everyone basically becomes, hey, I know that person, but you don't remember names. You don't remember that much about them. You know? and, and, and when you start thinking about it, you know, some of y'all ain't even got 150 people you know. Or you'll admit that, man, I, I ain't no way I got 150 friends. But if you actually start thinking about people that you know between work and school and home and extended family and everything else, you probably add 150 or close to 150. But so Dunbar's theory says you can't have more than 150 because it takes too much time. It takes too much time to know that much about someone and take that time to really big into them. And I think it really fits as we look at this. And I want you to understand that, you know, you got that core, that what the number of five is, that you are not the average of the five people closest to you. You're not the average of the five people you get close to. It's so much bigger than that. Um, and, and I'll explain it this way. You know, a tree has rings. If you cut a tree down, it's got rings in it. 
It's basically concentric circles, just like we see on the screen. You know, you got the concentric circles. And, and what happens is as the tree grows, there's space in between the circles. So you got your core, and then you, the next circle out, next circle out, next circle out. And, and what's interesting is during the warm and wet seasons, a tree grows more. So as it grows thicker and taller, the circles are farther apart, which means it had more time for growth in that season. But now it's the opposite and it's cold and dry. It will generally, the circles, it won't grow as much. So the circles get closer together and it's more of a tight knit kind of circle. And then there are years when there's a total drought that it won't even grow at all. The rings will almost be on top of each other. What about in our own life? Think about your circle of friends and, and, and when everything's going good, when everything's going fine, that circle's generally a little wider because you're growing and you're inviting people into your life, right? So you're inviting all these different people in and, and your circle of friends are getting wider and wider and you're busting that 150 numbers like, oh my God, I got all these friends. But then what about when life gets hard? When life gets tough? And you got to rely on that inner core and maybe the core outside of that be, because as time gets tough, you know, you start shrinking the people you're talking to. You start to shrink how much time you spend with other people. You, you start to not really grow that much because you're going through too much. You got too much on your plate, so you kind of keep everything a little closer. So just like a tree, we can do the same thing with our friends. It's how we grow and, and how they not only feed into us, but how we feed into them. So you see, you're not, you're not the average of the five in your core. You're the average of the entire group of people you hang out with. It's not just the inner core. It's the average of everyone you hang out with. So the question would be is an understanding that that group of people that you hang out with have influence over your life. They can influence things that you do, things that you say. So do you influence them or are they influencing you? Or is it kind of a combination of both? It, you know, and, and as we do it, we should influence them. But ultimately, the people we hang around will influence us in one way or the other. You know, so each of us have circles that we need to feed. But we also have circles that need to feed us. So, so as we look at these circles in our lives, and, and hopefully, you know, as we look at these circles that our circles help us to grow in our walk with Jesus, that, that we're able to take that time and develop that relationship with Jesus in a stronger manner, you know, as well as prior, and understand prioritizing our circles honors God. Like I said, put the concentric circles back up there again. Do your circles actually look like this? Do, do you have God at the center of your life? That's where you got to start. And then from there, you got your spouse. If you don't have spouse, then it's children or family. All of us got family. Are, are we putting them there? Or are we putting our friends before our family? 
or are we putting others in front of it? You see, God orchestrated it the way he did for a reason. And generally when we get outside of that, that circle and doing it that way, our life kind of gets messed up. Think of it like this. Jesus, the number one person in his life was who? The Father. In Jesus' life, he leaned to the Father first in everything he did. And if we're supposed to be Christ-like, shouldn't we do the same? And I honestly think even if you looked at Jesus' life circle, it probably looks something like this. The one, he was looking to the Father. Then he had the three, Peter, James, and John. Then he had the rest of the 12 or the nine. Then he had the 70. The 70 would have been like Mary, Martha, and the others. He then had the five thousand, and then the crowds. Think of who Jesus spent the most time with. The Father. From there, it was Peter, James, and John. From there, it was the 12, and then from there, it was probably the 70. That's where Jesus focused his time. Shouldn't we focus our time the same way? Shouldn't we take that same amount of time that we focus on doing whatever it may be and focus it back on our relationships with others? Set it back to our relationship with Jesus. So how do your circles line up with Jesus' circles? How do your circles line up with the regular what should be a life circle? Now imagine this. What if we as a church... If we as individuals did it and then we as a church aligned our circles the same way Jesus aligned his, how much difference could we make in our neighborhoods? Think about the change if every one of us honestly put our love for God as number one in our life, then our spouse, then our family, and then we started looking at our faith community, and then we started looking at our friends, and we actually loved our neighbors and showed them that we as Christians, as Christ followers, that we actually really do care about them. You know, as I said, actually really do care about them because there's way too many Christians who will say, oh, I care about you and turn and walk away. Understand caring happens at that moment. It's that moment when that person needs that care that you actually take the time to do what they need you to do. Imagine if we ever, as a church, had a reputation as being caring for people. That we looked out for people's needs and we took care of them where, exactly where they were at. That'd be a whole lot different than what most people think of Christianity, wouldn't it? You mean you're actually Christians that do what God's word says? What a concept, right? Actually doing what God's word says? Well, isn't that what we're supposed to be? You know, there's way too many churches out there today that say one thing and do something totally different. We should be people who care for those around us, who love them exactly the way they are. Meet them right where they're at. Whatever hurt, hang-up, habit they have, no matter how jacked up they are, no matter what is wrong with them, we should accept them right where they are. Show them the love that Jesus showed for you.
Because they're a sinner just like you. They have a fault just like you. So we need to love everyone and keep Jesus at the center of all of our relationships. Because you know, ultimately, we need to remember we can only maintain a certain number of friends. We need to ensure we have them Christ-like influences in our life. But, but here's the big part. Plus a few others whom we are influencing positively. So it's not just about that Christ-likeness. We need to have people that we're influencing also. Next week, we'll go and talk about that, how we influence others. But we need to be making that change in our own life and, and looking at our circles of friends and making sure our circles make sense. Make sure the people who are in your circles are actually in your circles for some type of commonality. And yes, the majority of them, you know, we should know people who know Jesus. That should be a big commonality. And if we know people who don't know Jesus, let's be Jesus with skin on. Be Jesus with skin on to somebody. Because like I said at the beginning, I started looking in my circles and I was totally amazed at people that I had commonalities with that weren't Jesus. And then the fact realizing that, hey, you know, some of these people don't even know Jesus. And I started asking, man, how come I never had that conversation with them? How come I never showed them the love that I should have showed them? Because the greatest love we could show anyone is to tell them about Jesus. If you've got a best friend that don't know Jesus and they were to die today, they're going to spend eternity in hell. Think about that. Your best friend, if they don't know Jesus, will spend eternity in hell. What are you doing about it? What are you doing to love your neighbor, to love your friends, to love your family, and love your spouse? Be who God called you to be. Look at your circles. See who's in your circles. And then align them the way Jesus aligned his circles. You know, maybe you're sitting here, you're joining us for church online. You're saying, Pastor, that's good, but I haven't made the Lord the center circle in my life yet. I haven't accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And, and I'm trying to get things right because, you know, I'm really messed up. And I know that, you know, he expects me to be perfect. Well, I'm here to tell you, he don't expect you to be perfect. As a matter of fact, he knows you're not going to be perfect. You're not going to have it all together because the only perfect person to ever walk on this earth was Jesus himself. God's word says that we're all sinners and we all fall short. Every one of us are sinners. Every one of us falls short of the glory of God. But yet God showed his love for us that yet while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And it says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's where it starts. That is the entire gospel story right there. God loved you. 
He knew you were a sinner. He sent Jesus to die on a cross for your forgiveness of sins. And if you accept him as your Lord and Savior, you can be forgiven your sins and spend eternity in heaven. And while you're on this earth, you take your circles of friends and you, everything you have, your heart, mind, soul, and strength, you love the Lord. Then you love everybody else. That's what gets tough. That loving of everybody else. But that's what we're called to do. And guess what? You're going to mess up. It's okay. Ask for forgiveness. Ask him to give you the strength and the word so that you can continue to move forward. If there's someone in your life that don't know Jesus, pray for that person. And if you're in this room or a church online, you don't know Jesus, I encourage you make that move today. Make the move today. Accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Put him at the center of your life circle and move on from there. And if your life circle isn't like that, or maybe you've got that anger or forgiveness, unforgiveness, because you're holding on, you're up here saying, well, pastor, I really don't love this person. I don't love this fellow church member. I don't love this neighbor of mine. I don't love this. You took communion this morning. Before you took communion, we talked about a self-examination. Maybe you didn't finish that self-examination. You need to come up here to the altar or right where you're at and ask God for that forgiveness for not loving the way he calls you to love. For not loving the way he calls you to love. Not the way the world calls us to love. The way he calls us to love. So I just want to encourage you to make that move during, during this final song. My, after my prayer, I'll be up to the side. If you want to accept Jesus or you need prayer, come up here. I'll be more than happy to pray with you. I'll pray with you and for you. Or you can just come right up here to the altar and, and just give it to God. And Lord, I need you at the center of my life. Most of the time, our life is so messed up and jacked up because he is not the center. Make him the center of your life today. Amen. Heavenly Father, we come to you as we continue to look at circles and as we look to choose wisely and we're digging into your word, Lord. Lord, I ask that you open up our eyes that we can see what it is you want us to choose. And Lord, we know with all your wisdom, you still chose a Judas, but you loved him. You called him friend. He betrayed you. You did not betray him. Lord, I ask that you be with everyone who hears my voice, that they don't become that Judas. Lord, that they will put you first and then put their spouse and their family and their loved ones in their church and that we will love the way you call us to love. And that people will know that we're different because we're actually doing what your word calls us to do. Let us be a loving and caring body of Christ that we show everybody who you are. And Lord, if anyone's doubting it, Lord, I ask that you, this being the day of Pentecost, that you put the spirit on them, Lord, and make them, make them ask for that forgiveness, Lord. Lord, convict them so bad that, that they have to make a move today. That they have to make that move and either accept you or come back to you and be obedient to what you call. 
And Lord, we make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks again for joining us here today at FBC Lantana for Church Online. And, and, and if, if you enjoyed what you saw today, I'd just like to ask you to go ahead, go to our website and, and help support this ministry as we try and outreach and reach the lost for Jesus Christ. And you can just go to our website, fbclantana.com slash give, um, and you can make an online donation right there. Again, I encourage you to get connected to a local church, and especially if during this message you felt compelled to accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, definitely go tell somebody. Let someone know because that is the greatest decision you could ever make in your life. And, and from there, get connected to a local church. Hey, we would love to provide you with some resources with that. You can go to our website, fbclantana.com, and on the very front page, you say, give my life to Jesus. Click on there, and at the bottom of there, there's some links and some good information for you. And just wanted to say, welcome to the family.